uh, celebrating the beginning of another captive audience for this season, thanks to absolutely no competition. Welcome to the 151st episode of Pod. This is the beginning of the second 150 episode. Welcome, ladies and gents. I'm Sam Kelly. Um, I'm joined this week, eventually, uh, by Santiago Muniaguria. Welcome, everyone. Who gave us all a bit of a scare by saying he would host and then not turning up to to record uh, until about half past uh, seven. Uh, By Peter Coates. Hello. Who successfully managed to find his way here (laughs) and was vindicated somewhat from the last time we recorded at Santis by the fact that Santi got lost on the way to his own house, <laughs> including getting off the subway in the wrong station. And Andres, who, like me, managed to make it here without any complications. Hello. Yes, uh, I am the only one who arrived here, even pre- with plenty of time. I went to drink coffee. Now no for an actual drinking. Good stuff. Um, I have here a piece of paper, gents, which uh, Andres saw last week in Peter and Santi is new to you. I'm going to be noting down the times of the bits we need to cut so that I don't have to listen to the whole podcast tomorrow before editing. It worked quite well last week. It does mean that if we say anything potentially libelous and I forget about it afterwards, it might end up staying in the pod. But never mind. Um, this is the episode that we were planning to record last week. It's the uh, Torneo Transición 2014 preview episode. That means... Torneo Transición means transition championship. Um, and... This being Argentine football, nothing can remain the same for too long. If we'd recorded it last week, we would have been previewing... Uh, of course, if we'd recorded it last week, that would have meant that Julio Brandona was still alive and we'd have been uh, previewing the Torneo Transición going into the 2015 season because it was going to be a season-long championship or rather a year-long um, seasonal championship with, with the season moved to, well, to what it should be in the Southern Hemisphere, February or March through to, to November. Um <laughs> that's that's gone out the window again now. Um, apparently, the logic is that Julio Bondon is not alive anymore, and only he could have overseen such a complicated transition. So they're deciding to keep the season as it was before, mostly because the uh, major clubs who who make their money from selling to Europe obviously want the uh, organisational uh, flexibility of, of being able to sell players during the seasonal break in Europe, which I think makes a certain degree of sense, and is after all why the Argentine League moved to a European-style season in the in 1985, wasn't it, after the, the year-long championships ended that you moved to the, the one year to the other season, I think. Um, so it's an, eco- an economical thing. We're still going to be having a 30-team championship, and in this episode we're going to be discussing why, how exactly we're transitioning, including in the lower divisions, um, what we're transitioning to, what we are now transitioning to, because as I've hinted, it's not... The, uh, the year-long table that we just mentioned as a possibility for last week, um, and a bunch of other stuff. So, Santi, first of all, however, before we start going, you're the resident Arsenal de Sarandí and d fan, um, and Andres and I talked at some length um, uh, last, last week about how the AFA had lost its president, about how FIFA had lost a vice president, but what we didn't really touch on too much 
was the effect that this is going to have on us and Alves Sarandi. The first couple of times that you came on the podcast, I remember you saying that when Rondona goes, Arsenal are screwed. <laughs> Doesn't quite seem to be that much of an atmosphere around that. I suppose in part because the Grandona family is still very much involved in, in the alpha. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, you can't expect the whole club to go down in flames from a, just next week after the, the old guy is dead. It's, right? it I think it's, <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a big blow for the, for the whole for the club and the, the whole Arsenal family is very heavily linked to to Grandona, to uh, his whole family, of course, we all know that his family is part of the uh, Comisión Directiva of Arsenal. Um, but I think it's quite interesting to say that, uh, of course, Julio Grandona is very well loved amongst Arsenal supporters. Yeah, and this is very different to every other club in the whole country, because everyone hates hated the old, the old man's guts. Whereas, of course, the, the reasoning behind that is he's, he's a mafioso, but he's our mafioso. And it's the same for other clubs as well, you know, when you've got, um, for example, in, in my own uh, third division club, Eduardo De Luca is the Commonwealth president and everyone defensores, yeah, and of course everyone hates the guy, but we love him. And this is, uh, of course, logical in, in, in Argentine football, but it's important to say that this this man just uh, he kind of because he was a, such a big Arsenal supporter. I think that something that's not too often said is he really protected the small clubs against the big clubs. And now we're starting to see that change, as you said, like the big clubs. Now that the old man is dead, now they're going to say, "Okay, I want my place back." Because this Grandona always tend to. Um, favor the old clubs, the smaller clubs, even even if they had next to no supporters or next to no budget. So this is something that that, that is quite interesting, and um, I think Arsenal will be like many other small clubs, um, not benefited by his his departure. And of course, then there's the obvious part about his benefits, the the ones that he he gave to Arsenal either directly or indirectly. So just refereeing health and... Uh, yeah, exactly. But you, you, this is I why I say it's... Uh, yeah, I know. It's, um, it's both directly and indirectly, I think. I think um, you did have some cases where you had a grandona telling a referee, you know, you can't do that. But there were also cases of referees saying, uh, maybe I shouldn't do this because it's Arsenal. So it's both his direct and indirect power that helped... Uh, Arsenal in such a in such a great but degree. Mm-hmm. More more teams mean, of course, less money for each team. And and I read today that uh, when when the, in the week when an, uh, Donofrio and Angelisi, the River and Boca presidents, demanded for more money, it was said that the ten teams that they will get a place into first division will get the same amount of money from TV than. They they received the, when they were on National B. Yeah, River and Boca at the moment from the TV deal at the moment. This isn't what they're demanding. It's what they're getting. Uh, get fifty million pesos per season. That's five percent. Supposedly, this is when the Afro aren't holding it all back to keep them in debt. That's five percent um, of the whole amount. Uh, which for two clubs in a twenty-team division, getting five percent of the total, presumably the rest of it's divided up between some of the B Nacional teams as well. Um, make, makes a certain degree of sense but the, the 10 clubs who come up from the B Nacional at the end of this year look like they're going to be getting 3.5 million pesos 
less than a tenth of what uh, each of River and Boca yeah. get. And this is my point. I think um, now we're going to start seeing a similar logic to European leagues, where the big clubs are the ones who make the big decisions. And this is, wasn't really the case for Argentine football so far. Well, it hasn't been for the last few years. I think at certain other points that Rondona's mandate, it, it, mm-hmm. it was. Certainly River have lost a lot of influence in, in AFA recently. Exactly. Daniel mm-hmm. Angelisi is now the first AFA vice president. He's a Boca Juniors president. Uh, Luis Segura has been confirmed since we last recorded as AFA president. We, Andres and I told you last week that he was going to be the stand-in and that he was, there were going to be elections in October this year. He's now been confirmed unanimously. That most Grandona-like of words. Um, he's been confirmed unanimously by the AFA board to see out Grandona's mandate, in the words of Ernesto Cherkis Bialo, AFA spokesperson and all-round horrible man, um, to, to the press. There have been a couple of other peculiar confirmations that evening, haven't there? And those were... First of all, well, not so peculiar. In fact, very much what everybody was expecting. Gerardo Martino today, Thursday, has been offered the job of Argentina national team manager. Um, he's expected to confirm that on Monday. He'll sign the contract, assuming nothing goes. The reports have all said he's very, very close to agreeing. They've just got to iron out a couple of last-minute details, and then it'll be confirmed. Um, and the rather more interesting bit... Sorry, Andres. Yeah, no, yes, talking about the presidents and vice-presidents, uh, uh, well, of course, there is, there is a, a FIFA vice-president... Uh, charge vacant and and they will propose Julito Grandona as a possible yeah. candidate for that charge. Yes, uh, I wonder whether he'll do as good a job as his dad. No, no. <laughs> we shall see. And Umbertito Grandona, the other of uh, Julio's sons, might well be, um, if there's any delay in Martino signing his contract, it looks like Umbertito will be managing Argentina against Germany in a friendly in Dusseldorf on the which is a terrifying thought in so many ways um, but the other uh, major change that may or may not come out in Argentine football is to this league structure and so this is what we're trying to preview um, at the moment what we're going into the reason first of all for the Toneo Transition before we explain exactly what the Toneo Transition or I think better the Toneos the transition because we're going to have to look at the lower leagues as well because they're going to affect the Primera next season next year season whatever something like this we'll get to that now um, is what we're actually going to be transitioning into I've already described at the beginning of the show what we thought we were going to be transitioning into which was a 30 team championship in the Primera from February to November um, in which everybody played everybody else once and the Clasicos were then repeated uh, in, in the opposing stadium let's say um, you'll have noticed that that means 30 rounds of 15 matches each particularly perceptive listeners will have also noticed that that leaves some teams not really knowing who this second match is going to be against because not all teams in the Primera have got a classical in the Primera Arsenal for instance like to pretend that theirs is against Racing Independiente but presumably <laughs> the 30th match will be Racing versus Independiente so who do Arsenal play? Kielmes perhaps Defensa perhaps Defensa perhaps It's either um, Defensa or Quilmes Godoy Cruz on the other hand If San Martín de San Juan Don't come up Don't have any kind of Clásico In the Primera Independiente Rivadavia possibly But I don't think We're expecting them to come up um, And so their Extra match Would have been drawn Out of a hat <laughs> So For instance You could end up With a situation In which Let's say Boca Juniors And Godoy Cruz Are tied at the top Of the table After 29 matches 
and they've got one match left each. And for Boca Juniors, that extra match could be a trip to the Monumental to take on River Plate. And Godoy Cruz might have a home match against Defensa Justicia. And apparently that's a perfectly fair and sporting way of, of running a league table um, and of deciding who actually deserves to be the champions of Argentina. Um, the, the, the changes now are the suggestion that, <coughs> that we might have another Torneo Transición in the first half of 2015 to transist into the same, more or less the same uh, Primera um, numbers, a 30-team championship in the 2015-16 season, so basically sticking to the season that we've already got now with the Inicial and Final, but it's going to be one long championship. And when we say long championship, we do mean a potentially very long championship because that would involve, this is one possibility, by the way, it's not confirmed, 30 teams, all of whom play each other home and away in one season. <laughs> the season in Argentina is nine months because you have a month break for winter and there are two months in the summer when it's just too hot to play competitive football. The um, players' union don't allow them to, to play during the day in certain places, which is why so many of the Toneos de Verano kick off at like 10 o'clock at night or 9 o'clock at night. Um, so it's completely impossible to play from kind of mid-December through to early February. How on earth are they going to fit in a league championship consisting of 58 rounds of 15 matches anybody want to say something because <laughs> I'm fairly sure the listeners are getting bored of the sound of my voice <laughs> Peter you've not spoken yet tell us how ridiculous this is <laughs> well I think just, just the numbers alone make it sound ridiculous so there's no way uh, I could sit here and give any explanation as to why why it's a rational <laughs> well, decision they, they play three, three times a week on N- NBA Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, I think. In Major League Baseball, of course, the team plays something like 180 matches in in inverted commas per per season, I'm led to believe, but that's a bit of a. I want to think season will prevail and they'll find another way to solve it. One thing that we do definitely have ties into one of our listeners' questions later, we're going to answer it now from Phil Carney, who says. Do we stand any chance of a last-minute reprieve from this 30-team abomination? The answer to that is no. because Not because um, it's particularly close in time itself, but because, of course, this podcast is going to be going online on Friday, possibly after the Donel de Transición is kicked off. And once the Donel de Transición kicks off, that's it. The Primera is one thing. The Primera of the Donel de Transición is going to be a, a short championship, just like the ones that we're already familiar with. Um, but the reason that we need to explain the structure is that we have to explain what happens in the lower leagues. Because the B Nacional is also going to be kicking off on um, Friday. And of course in the B, they haven't just got to have a championship. They've got to decide who are the 10 teams who are going to be getting promoted to the Primera to begin the 2015 season or the 2015-16 season, depending on what they eventually confirm. Um, Before we start explaining this, I want to say I think this is the reason why in this six months... Everyone should watch the Primera B and not the Primera División. The Primera División is Primera going to B be... Primera B or the B Nacional? B Nacional. Okay. Primera B Nacional. Because it's going to be an amazing tournament. On the last two years, it was way more entertaining than the Primera. With You had good teams, middle teams, bad teams, whereas in the Primera, everyone plays mostly the same. <laughs> and you have 10 ascensos on the game. So it's going to be hectic and it's going to be a lot of fun. And I really recommend everyone to try and watch the Primera B Nacional and follow the Primera B Nacional for this season. Santi, how are they going to get 
10 promotions from a 22 team. It's 22 teams this season, isn't it? Yeah, they, they've divided the 22 teams in um, two 11-team groups. It's Group A and Group B. They've um, separated the Clásicos, so nobody gets to play with their own Clásico because this is kind of a torneo de transición, so they, they, they don't want to do uh, home and away uh, Clásicos for security reasons. I'm not entirely sure on, on exactly why, but they've managed to get every every team away from their own Clásico. And from their those 11 teams, you have five ascensos in each group. The first five teams will go up into the Primera. So you've got five out of 11 teams <laughs> that are going up. Um, it's, it's like uh, the it's South American qualifiers for the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, basically. Mm -hmm. It's going to be quite hard for some teams to not get promoted. Of course, no. Argentinos Juniors, for example, um, are possibly not just in the second division, but of any club in Argentina, besides who've done the best out of the transfer window. <laughs> we didn't talk about this last week, uh, because we were talking about Gondona being dead last week. Um, but Argentinos, as a lot of our regular listeners will probably already know, if they follow us on Twitter and if they... Uh, follow Argentine football away from just the podcast. Argentina also made a couple of barely uh, good signings. They, they haven't done anything too flashy. They, they brought back former Argentinos Juniors players to the club, that's all. Um, but two of them are uh, Cristian Ledesma, the, the player who won the league title, of course, with River Plate just a couple of months ago um, as a key member of River's midfield. But new River manager Marcelo Gallardo says that he wants a more vertical team um, and he's bringing Leonardo Poncio back into the fold from having had to play pretty much reserve football under Ramon Diaz last season. So he's now moved back to Argentinos Juniors, the club where he started out. And uh, somebody or other called Riquelme, uh, Juan Roman Riquelme, has finally I think we've been talking about these transfer sagas in every fucking transfer window since Handapol <laughs> began almost four years ago. He threatens to leave Boca it gets to the point where from time to time even his contract runs out and he leaves Boca for about two days and then it all gets resolved because the board don't particularly want him but the fans won't let the board let him go. This is always how it's been working. Uh, it's never been to do with money. I do sincerely believe that with Riquelme and Boca, to be honest, because he's turned down other contract offers from Brazilian clubs, from MLS clubs, for four times the amount that he earns in uh, uh, Boca. He played a season for Boca for free, so you can't accuse him of being mercenary. Um, and now, indeed, he's taken a big pay cut to move to Argentinos Juniors, who, of course, were his first club as well. He never played for the first team. This is something I didn't realise until after he'd signed for them. I thought he had done. I thought he'd played a few matches. Uh, but he moved to Boca at the age of, I think, 16, maybe, um, when he finished Argentinos youth system and then Boca signed him up and gave him their first-team debut almost immediately. So he's going to be making his Argentinos debut on Saturday. Mm, no, I don't think so. He, he got uh, eyes on his uncle. No, he, but he's been training he's the last couple of days. He's been training well, and mm. he's, he's, he's concentrating with the team. You never know what it can be. As of right now. I received an email from the club's tourism department saying the conditions are there for Riquelme's debut on Saturday. <laughs> and it's quite funny because he's going to be playing in white and red against Boca. Mm. Indeed he is, because mm -hmm. Argentinos first match is at home to Boca Unidos, the club who we all found it tremendously amusing when they defended <laughs> the first team to, uh, to beat River Plate in, in their season in the, in the B a few years ago. Uh, three years ago already, yeah. 2011, blimey, how time flies. Um, 
Argentinos, uh, as Santi's mentioned, uh, the, the Clásicos have been divided, and I feel vindicated now, having always said Argentinos versus All Boys was a Clásico, and everybody else on Hand the Pod going, no, what are you talking about? You're talking out of your ass. They're in different groups, so <laughs> not yours, everybody else on Hand the Pod. Um, the groups are uh, Group 8, not you three. The older team members, let's say. The, the groups are, uh, Group 8 is Argentinos, Guarani, a Franco Guarani Antonio Franco from Misiones Province yeah. uh, whose, whose badge is um, about as clear a rip-off as River rip, Plate badge as you can get <laughs> Boca Unidos San Martín de San Juan Ferrocarril Oeste Nueva Chicago Aldo Civi de Madre Plata uh, Gimnasio de Jujuy Instituto Colón and Douglas Haig It, uh, I'm strange that they've managed to put the both Misiones team uh, both Misiones teams in one group I didn't notice. Boca Unidos and, and Guarani, yeah. yeah. Bit unfair to put two. Well, Boca Unidos is from Corrientes and Guarani from Misiones, right? Uh, what? Yeah, that's right. Oh, you're right. Boca Unidos is Corrientes, sorry. Um, and Group B is Huracán, Patronato, uh, Crucero del Norte, Santa Marina, Atlético Tucumán, Temperley, All Boys, Independiente de Mendoza, Sarmiento, Unión de Santa Fe, and Sportivo Belgrano. Um, in, uh, Sarmiento would be Douglas Heiss ah, right. yes. yes. I have a question for Santiago because of course the Nacional Mit is not the only lower division in Argentina mm-hmm. uh, there are other ones as well there are divisions below it there are plenty of divisions below it in fact the Argentine league system is, is almost as extensive as the English league system um, in terms of the professional clubs at least um, how do the other divisions work? They're, they're split similarly along zone A, uh, Group A and B lines. Yeah, but exactly. The B Nacional is essentially going to cease to exist. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think the, the, at least on the original one plan, of the one of the Bs out of the thing altogether, right? Uh, the original plan was was not to do that, but to make it shorter in terms of teams. You had, um, of course, this is all subject to change because everything is subject to change, and they've just changed everything three days ago, but the original plan was to, to go with, um, of course, the Primera B Nacional has 22 teams and it's going, it was, was going to have 10 ascensos, so that leaves you with 12 teams. So they were going to have um, three ascensos from the Primera B Metropolitana and three from the Argentino A, so you made it, you just said 22 plus 6, that's, um, no, 12, 12 plus 6, it's 18, 18. Yes. an 18th team, uh, Primera B Nacional. Okay. And I think they were also going to change the name originally. It was going to be called Torneo Nacional. I see, yeah, that, that's, that's what I told And um, then under that, you were going to have the Primera B Metropolitana was now going to be called um, Torneo Metropolitano A. And it was going to have, of course, now you had uh, six ascensos. Uh, it has 22 teams now, so six teams are going to the Nacional. And you had three teams coming up from the Primera C, so it was going to make it 19 or 18 teams as well. And then it was going up from there. And then on the other side, it was something similar. So they were kind of pushing teams up from all the leagues. And Torneo Argentino is also, I think it's also 20 or 22. Torneo Federal, Torneo Federal B, Torneo Federal C. That's how it was going to work out at the beginning. I don't know what's going to happen now but I think at this stage really though we just need to say with regards to the, the, the league format and what it's going to be like in the future wait and see 
<laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll tell you when the, when the said championship actually begins what the league format is like because right up until the day it begins I get the impression there are likely to be changes um, particularly with Grondon and now gone but in the Primera now we have as we say one last short tournament we don't need to worry about relegation this season because that's not going to that's not going to happen um, at least at the end of this short tournament it won't happen possibly at the end of the 2015 Donnell Transition either we're not really sure nobody's decided yet but um for the Donnell Transition 2014, who do we see is particularly good, particularly bad? Who's made good signings over the winter? Who's made bad signings over the winter? The big news today is that uh, Manuel Lancini has finally been sold by River Plate for a fee, at least a River Plate, I think the fee, is $6 million. Yes, uh, at, at, at first I thought it was Algeria. euro, and, but uh, the currency will be dollars, I think. $6, six million. Dollars. How do you feel about that, Andres? Not very good. Really, I, I think that even though the Lancini has his, his moments of of appearing and disappearing during the same match, uh, I, I don't see or I, I I don't know how Pisculici will will respond uh, to to the work of of, of an enganche classic enganche, which is the system that Gallardo wants to put into the pitch, the the four or three one two and that. Uh, I don't know. I uh, I have some doubts about him, about his Kulichi being the, 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 the well, the, the, the enganche of, of River. Uh, Is it um, Pablo Aymar going to be coming back? To they have uh, registered Aymar. Yeah. If you register players with AFA at this stage, we're on transfer deadline night now, aren't we? It's tonight that it ends. Um, if you register players with AFA right now then basically that means that you're negotiating with them and you're informing the AFA that you're in negotiations already So can they, and, and they'll give you an extra few days or something they've registered him and somebody from Huracan whose name I forget, Martinez or something yes, um, but they, I, heard, I read that they asked 35 million pesos which is 3 million dollars or, 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 or something or similar and, and well it's huge or big, uh, big sum of money for River, and I don't think he they would make it. But uh, yes, and, and Neymar will be registered. And but I don't know how many time they have for for free players uh, that have no club. I think they have a, a bit more time to to talk with the player and, and eventually sign him. <coughs> uh, I think they're allowed to sign free players at any point during the championship. I might be wrong on that. Yeah. Um, In which case, there's no. Time and frame on Neymar's transfer. Then is he a free agent? Yeah, his contract with the last oh, club I, was. In that case, I might be wrong. Because no. his last contract was in the Philippines or something. No, I think <laughs> Indonesia. Malaysia. 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 Yes, That's yeah, right. Yeah. Somewhere over there. Yeah, and they just, I think, mutually terminated his contract. So now he's just waiting, I guess, for River or nothing. Regarding Lancini, I know that we're going to have some interested listeners um, because he was reported last night as signing, having signed for Besiktas in Turkey. Um, that is clearly not the case now it was reported as confirmed and it wasn't confirmed because he's just signed for Al Jazeera um, which is also being reported as confirmed now and who knows what it will be by the time this podcast goes online but anyway I give up sometimes um, we're bound to have some, some listeners who are interested and I think it's it's as good a sale for River as they're going to get they needed to sell somebody they needed to get six million dollars for the sale in order to be able to close out the financial year um breaking even that that was something that, that Rodolfo Donofrio the club president had already said and from Lancini's point of view I'm kind of I, I'm starting to lose a bit of patience with Lancini 
I remember seeing him four years ago at the beginning of the um, Donau Apertura 2010, second or third round, setting up a couple of goals in a, a I think it was a 3-2 win for River. No, it was a 4-3 win for River against Independiente. Um, and he was superb, but he's been, you know, he was superb compared with what you'd expect of him then at that age, at the age of 17. And he's not really seemed to progress that much. He spent a year on loan in Brazil. He's come back and he still has his ups and downs. He's still not really hit it. And it seems incredibly harsh to say it about a kid who's 21 years old. He's still really young. But he needs to either hit that level now and he's stuck his game up now or it's not going to happen. Um, and also, the, the other point, obviously, is that from his point of view, he's, he's played his whole career so far in the Argentine economy. I know he was on, in Brazil for a year, but it was on loan, so presumably the same wages that River Plate were paying him were just being paid by Fluminense, maybe with a bit extra for the living costs. Um, and so you can't possibly turn down an offer from Al Jazeera. Uh, from, from any club in, in that area of the world the, the wages that they'll, they'll have offered him would have been astronomical compared with what he could have earned in Argentina what's the team that hired him? Al Jazeera isn't that like a TV station? yes it is also the name of a TV station yes oh, and the name I, of the did they in Qatar? or in race so yeah I mean I, I, I wouldn't blame Lancini for it at all and from River's point of view I think it's a, an, a, a, as good a deal as they're going to get as well it, it's financially had, it's, it's they, what they needed and they had to sell to sell uh, they, they, they said this and well uh, the opportunity was for Lanzini to, to live and and, and, and as I, con I agree with you he appears and disappears uh, how, uh, like we say here Lagunero mm, like yeah. the, the and his contract was up in a year as well that's the yes. other thing they, they had to sell now or they were going to lose one free um, so River on the face of it haven't done fantastically in the uh, transfer market we've already mentioned Leandro, uh, Leonardo Pisculici from Argentinos who's been brought in uh, they have managed to keep by the look of it Eder Alvarez Balanta they rejected an offer yesterday um, from Galatasaray of 7.5 million euros for him which by Argentine standards is an astronomical figure particularly bearing in mind that River own I think it's 90% of Balanta's rights the other 10% belong to his family um, so well done on them for that. Sorry, if, if the offer is like the, like the one you said, I would have sold Balanta and brought Prato. I don't know. It's perhaps the, 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 the figure the, and the sum of money that Vélez uh, board members asked for was a bit, uh, uh, it's quite big for, for him, for Prato. But I think it, it, it was a. Uh, if the figure uh, is the one you said, well, I, I wouldn't have doubt about we said, it. We said last week, I think, didn't we, that Prato's buyout clause was nine and a half million or nine million dollars. Yes, ten million euros. covered by seven point five million euros. Which which leads us on to how do we think Vélez have done? Because they're, they're going to be one of the contenders. They're normally one of the contenders for the title. How have they done in the, in the in the transfer market? I don't want to make the whole thing about the transfer market, but there are certain clubs that we're going to have to, to cover in that respect. On the one hand, they seem to have kept most of their key players, but on the other, they didn't have a brilliant torneo final. Say something for something. Yeah, I'm not sure about Velez. I mean, I haven't sit. I mean, I'm not going to read too much into their pre-season results, but they seem every time I saw. The highlights of their preseason, they seem to be getting beaten. Uh, and like you're right, they didn't have a very good Torneo final, and 
they have lost a fair number of players in this window. I mean, uh, Gareca took who took Tobio in someone else to Palmeiras. And Alione, I think. Yeah, and Alione, see. And then they lost a couple of other players who were first-team players anyway. And they don't seem to, uh, from what I was looking at, they didn't seem to have brought all that many in. And they, 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 they they're setting a lot of faith in their uh, in their youth team, yeah. as they always have done in in, in in youth development. They've kept a couple of they've kept. I think Tocanteros gone. Yeah, he went. He has gone. Yeah. Okay, they've not kept Tocanteros. That, that that slightly shoots my point in the foot. I think uh, the best thing I'm looking at their uh, Mercado de Passes list. I think the best thing that they've done is getting rid of Jonathan Copete, who's leaving for Atlético Nacional of Colombia. I yeah. think this is a brilliant. Was he on loan? Uh, no. He's not gone back from loan. He's no, no, no. actually bought in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. This is the reason. Maro mm-hmm. uh, Sarate, of course, is gone. He's, he's yeah. as, as our English listeners will be fully aware, he's signed for West Ham United. Um, and signed Caraglio from Arsenal. Right. Oh, you're right. Yeah, they've signed Antonio Caraglio, who, who uh, could turn into a, a fairly decent replacement. How have Arsenal done in the in the winter window? Um, it's been ransacked, basically. Um, you have Campestrini. The goalkeeper who's been um, saving goals for Arsenal since I think 2007 or something. He's left for a Greek club. Mariano Echeverria is uh, also leaving, a uh, very good centre back. Franco Succolini, uh, who's going back to Europe um, in Italy. He didn't do too good when he was in Arsenal anyway, but he was supposed to be a big signing when he came in and now he's uh, going out just like that. Um, Role yeah, is also going to Grecia. It's a uh, it's a massive list. There was quite a few players going to yeah, Greece. Yeah, yeah, to Greece. Yeah, it's yeah. true. It tells you a lot about the Argentine economy. Um, Diego Bragieri, Parra too. Bragieri, Bragieri, Bragieri was with Nanus before, yeah. right? He had him on loan. Uh, yeah, um, and that was, I was Bragieri. He played in in yeah. Lanús and in Central too. But I, I can't yeah. remember. Uh, he's back in Lanús. He's back in Lanús as well. And then Esperduti as well, and Julio Furge. It's just, it's it's very big. The, the list is it's really big. Julio Furge, of course, is, is going to Boca by the look of it. Is he not? Uh, is it I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure. They're talking about that, aren't they? Or am I going mad? Oh, wasn't that Echeverria? Echeverria is definitely going to Boca. Yeah, Echeverria has gone to Boca. He's has gone. I think Furge might be on his way there as well. Um, or, or as I say, there's a possibility that I'm just making this up. Um, you have lost Campestrini, who I think is the really key one because he's such a huge figure in Arsenal's defence. Um, as, as iconic goalkeepers are, are exactly. wants to be, you've replaced him pretty well. Though. Esteban Andrada coming in from Lanús. I haven't seen him. Uh, if you say he's good, I'll believe you. Well, he's a fairly typical Argentine Primera División goalkeeper, and as we've said for some time, I think it's a division that's quite high on goalkeeping talent. Uh, which, given the fact that he's quite low on talent outfield, might also explain why there are so few goals scored <laughs> generally in, in the Primera. Um, but no, I, I quite like him. I, I think he could turn into a decent player. Um, but why do you think European clubs never go for the goalkeepers? Is it because they're short? This is something that I always ask myself. Peter, do you want to provide a European opinion on that? Because I can't think of anything. I mean, there, there might be an argument that I don't know. Are they slightly shorter and therefore not quite like being good shot stoppers, but maybe not so comfortable? I don't know whether being shorter has anything to do with it, does it? No, Iker Casillas is is 
six foot or five foot eleven or something, which for a goalkeeper is yeah, but maybe short. like I'm not at least crap now, but for some time it was by a long way. No, it must be some reason because I mean the Argentine league is heavily scouted, but it is mm. true that the goalkeepers tend to stay for yeah. much much longer than any outfield I, I wonder also whether there's an extent to which the scouts see the relative poverty as I mentioned of, of the outfield players and think well the goal, he, he looks good this goalkeeper but is he being tested as much as he would be in Europe I mean certainly in terms of say if you're going to buy a goalkeeper for an English club or for, for a, a league which uh, relies heavily on, on crosses going into the box let's say the best way of testing a goalkeeper for that is not to watch them in the Argentine league for the yeah. season mm-hmm. uh, where nobody where, where at least the wide play generally consists of slinging aimless balls into the box and not really contesting them very much certainly not to the same degree that you'll get in the Premier League or, or the Championship so um, so I wonder whether there's some of that because the goalkeepers that there are in Europe the Argentine goalkeepers that are in Europe mm-hmm. obviously Sergio Romero who uh, looks like he's going to be getting first team football now next season possibly for Monaco um, which is nice Um Julian Speroni at um, uh, Crystal Palace, um, uh, Willy Caballero, oh, obviously at Malaga. All of them, to an extent, kind of went under the radar here in Argentina. Exactly. Moved to Europe fairly early, from what I understand. Yeah. Uh, in at least a couple of cases, I think Speroni never played any kind of football in Argentina. I think he went almost straight to Europe, maybe to Spain, and then got picked up by Palace. Um, Romero, obviously. Then you have Andujar, Carrizo. Carrizo, of course. Andujar, yeah. and you have now Jerónimo Rulli at Real Sociedad. Carrizo is a funny one because I think he's uh, just not very good but, uh, or, or rather he was good but he was never quite as good He saved the pair of penalties against uh, Real Madrid was Yeah um, In it, of course yeah. Rooney's going to be interesting I think yeah. if Rooney does well at, at Real Sociedad you might see a few more scouts starting to look and, at the Argentine league and thinking okay these guys actually are because Rooney uh, was one of the ones that we picked out earlier in the season on several occasions as being a very promising young keeper um, so yes, we we shall see. Um, but Arsenal generally, how do you think they're going to do something? Um, <laughs> I don't think the outlook is looking too bright for Arsenal, honestly. Um, between the, the 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 relative loss of power and influence that you're going through in the league, plus the absolute ransacking of the team. I, when I first um, started reading about the Mercado de Pases in, in the middle of the World Cup, I figured out like. They must have realized that this torneo does doesn't have any decensos. It if the averages if the promedios are staying throughout the, the next seasons, this is no, meant no, to be like a stopgap season where even if you're shit, it's it kind of, it kind of blends in with the rest of the long seasons. And so the, the the other point was uh, the other thing to say about the relegation and, mm-hmm. and how close they'll be as well as the promedios is that. Uh, as it stands at the moment, under the new 30-team system, only two teams will be relegated. Um, exactly. So, uh, what, which what is another thing that's ridiculous about the new system. Yeah. I, I, I'd like to think that this is the reasoning that went through um, Arsenal's and many other teams also seem to have like downplayed their transfer window. And I think this, is, this may be because they're saying, OK, we have no short-term needs now. Let's build up our team buy a few relatively unknown players and give them a, f- a couple hours of playtime and see how, how and, and not make any big unnecessary uh, tra- transfers but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be so sure that this 30 creepy tournament will be will last a lot of, of, of time no well, we'll, we'll, we'll ask that question uh, possibly yes. a bit later on 
Um, <coughs> okay. In fact, it was, it's another. It's a worthy consideration. I'm on the number to get onto at some point. Um, uh, Peter, independent thing. Their return to the Primera should have been one of the biggest stories of this week, as it happens. It's been overshadowed by events in the last, uh, well, week or so. Mm-hmm. Grandona dying, San Lorenzo's Libertadores final, which we'll talk, talk about in a minute. Uh, the new Argentina manager, which we'll also talk about a little in a short while. Um, the Independiente's transfer window, the general atmosphere around the club. How's it looking over the winter? Well, I, I guess it's been quite a dramatic uh, break, I mean, since... Since being promoted, Independiente have had a, a new president. You're um, right, I completely <laughs> mentioned this at all, in fact, since uh, the season ended, because we only recorded a couple of times during the World Cup, and of course, we're preoccupied with the World Cup. No, we did mention it when, when we did the semi-final uh, World Cup episode, I think, at your place, uh, very briefly, yeah. but just remind us... Um, the situation around Independiente's president, first of all, because that's as big a story as anything that's happened in the transfer market over the winter. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, this was pretty quick after winning promotion, wasn't it? I'd be casting my mind back, what's it, two months or something? The beginning of it was, but I'm not sure how soon after the, the uh, election itself was. Yeah, but when did Cantero leave in relation to... Well, anyway, eventually he was kind of forced, forced out and and left his position as president. Um, there was an interim period followed by another election, uh, which eventually was was won by Hugo Moshano. So who is Hugo Moshano, Peter? Well, I guess the Argentines. T- tell us how, can how tell cute, us more about. <laughs> tell us how cute and cuddly your club are. No. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I, I'm not sure I like this this uh, <laughs> this feed how the rest of Argentine uh, the Argentine clubs now say, oh, Independiente now have this. Mafioso figure, well, as opposed to yeah, exactly. Whereas, like every Welcome other club, club, exactly, <laughs> everyone else does. Um, and perhaps re- Cantero's downfall, in, in a sense, was trying to move away. Was being too nice. Yeah, was trying to move away from the like the Claudio Borgia Boca Juniors being too much of a nice man to manage a club like that, that like that. Um, Cantero was possibly too much of a nice man to direct a club like Independiente <laughs> although I have heard a couple of things uh, that suggest that maybe he wasn't entirely squeaky clean no I mean I'm sure I'm but absolutely sure but that's a much more well researched and well researched <laughs> uh, podcast which we couldn't possibly go into now but on, on the surface of things that's that's the case so anyway he's, he's now been replaced by Hugo Machano who's like a trade union leader the trade union yeah, yeah, the biggest the trade union leader uh, in a country where the trade unions are much 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 more politically powerful than in let's say that in, in the countries uh, where the majority of our listeners come from, the United <laughs> States certainly by far, and uh, Great Britain, I think it's fair to say that the trade unions here are probably more powerful than than they were even pre Thatcher um, on a political level. Yeah, just just to to put it into context, um, Argentina's train system is famously outdated, and it, it's begging for a reform. It's begging for investments and. The, uh, but you keep the arguing leave. with the British. We want to come over and help you, son. <laughs> <laughs> this was like two hundred years ago. It, it was a good start. I don't. I don't. Um, I won't criticize the British for the uh, train system in, in my, Argentina. My ex-girlfriend's it, girlfriend's yeah. dad did once. He, he mm-hmm. said it was our fault that the uh, yeah, it is, but that's not get into it. In Argentina oh, is okay. was, was such a, in such <clears throat> dreadful condition because you British, you built the trains here and then you fucked off. 
<laughs> and, and that means that it was our fault um, yeah. that, that they're in such bad condition. It was an interesting um, argument. <laughs> the, uh, the the trains here in Argentina are laid out in a way that helps helped the British back then, and it was never built upon uh, anymore by the Argentines. But the, 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 the main I'm reason. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, mm-hmm. do you know a very good illustration of the British influence in Buenos Aires mm-hmm. over time? The subte. The subte drives yeah. on the left. Does it? That's right. because the it's British true. built the train. Yeah, it's true. It's and the trains drive on the left as well. Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. So anyway, the, the big reason why there hasn't been any investment on trains in the last 20 or 25 years, um, and I'm talking about like freight trains, not passenger trains, is mainly because of Moshano's huge influence. He's, of course, um, a leader of the train union for truckers. And mm. he does, I mean, the distribution in this huge country, this is the eighth biggest country in the world, and logistics and distribution are largely up to Moshano's trading. Yes. So this is the kind of power that he has. Because, yes, he decides to stop, uh, uh, to, to, do a, to go on a strike, and, and the country is paralyzed. Exactly. Like mm-hmm. that. And the other thing is that distribution is even more a big thing, because, as you say, it's the eighth biggest country in the world, geographically, about the 80th biggest country in the world, population-wise. Mm-hmm. So everything's very spread out, even more so. Um, Anyway, that, that was our brief foray into uh, <laughs> and, and the politics. Um, when Alvin is kicking and screaming back to football, the point is, Hugo Moshano is, is a, um, an already controversial figure in, in Argentine uh, society and Argentine politics at the moment. And now he's taken over Independiente. And he's also sympathetic with the main Barra Brava, right? There's a lot of, um, yeah. of thought, as we mentioned, I think, when, when we discussed this before. Who obviously instrumentally in front of that. Um, for the Barra, which gives you some idea as well about what we often said about Barra Bravas generally in Argentina, not just independientes, they've got a lot of political influence. Yeah. Um, if, if they're going hand in hand with Moshano and taking over one of the country's biggest clubs. Well, yeah, then, quite. Then, yeah, sorry, I, I, was, I was thinking I was putting my point across by being silent then and I forgot. We're, we're an, an audio medium, um, so pulling funny faces is not a great way of getting things over to the listeners. I apologise, listeners. But you see my point. Um, on the pitch, how has this translated into player signings, into coherent strategy, and most of all, into what's happened with the management? Yeah, well, after after that, then after the change of president, then we had the change of manager. Um, so uh, De Felipe left his position, um, and the, the immediate thoughts was that Diego Milito mm. was going to. Come, Gabriel. Gabriel. Gabriel Melito. Gabriel Melito was going to come to take over as a as manager. That didn't happen, and so within 24 hours, Jorge Almiron left his position at Godoy Cruz and took over at Independiente. Um, so, Independiente Jorge Almiron as manager, and uh, I mean. The transfer window has. Independiente got quite lucky in that respect, right? Because Godoy Cruz are a club who, over the last decade or so, have tended to just treat their managers dreadfully. They, they see one manager do something pretty good during a championship or two, and then they go, "Yeah, you know what? We're gonna. Do you mind taking a wage cut?" <laughs> Even though you've, in Omar Assad's case, let's say, you get him into the Copa Libertadores for the first time in their history, and their response is, "So here's your new contract offer, and it's ten percent less than what we paid you before," because <laughs> that makes loads of sense. Um, and Independiente to an extent are a beneficiary of the fact that Godoy Cruz 
just don't have a clue what they're doing manage, management-wise. Yeah, I mean, looking at Godoy, who's the business they've made, <laughs> it's not surprising that the manager was slightly annoyed. Well, it's, it's why he left, in fact. Yeah. Uh, they, they sold basically all of their best players and replaced them with players from the Nacional B and Primera B and a few foreign leagues that nobody had ever heard of. But so the timing yeah, itself seems slightly too soon. Yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the fact that it literally was 24 hours between the being a story of him leaving Godoy Cruz and then yes, yeah, signing with Independiente, right. it seemed a bit like, okay, I think I'm certain that some discussion has gone on mm. pre-resignation. Um, but who of Independiente, um, who would you say are the main names in and out? Uh, well, we, we should um, mention the first main name sorry to interrupt again is Fabian Asman not so much because he's an important <laughs> player for Independiente but just for the surname uh, we've mentioned him many times before uh, Juan Martín Lucero came in from Defensa y Justicia he, I mean, he was the top goal scorer in the Nacional B last season very good um, very good signing so that looks like a, a good signing um, I think Piscini Piscini's form in the Copa Argentina game was yeah. amazing two well, one fantastically taken goal and one goal that looked spectacular, even more spectacular until he realised on the replay that he had taken a big deflection off the defender, uh, but really good performance. And he was also the player who scored the main, the crucial goal in the uh, tiebreaker for promotion, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, Dora Cal. Yes. Um, so he's what, 17, 18? Mm. 19? Um, What's his name? Francisco. Francisco. Yes. I think um, keeping Pisano... And Piscini being informed, it could be a Jesus Mendes came in as well, no? Jesus Mendes and Mendes. We were talking about um, the Colombian defender, um, Shepes. Yeah, but that didn't manage. It fell through. I mean, that was on the brink of being quite a spectacular sign. Because it was going to be him and some other very experienced centre-back that also didn't came into... uh, I, I, I... I think the main thing from Independiente's point of view is that we're going to see them giving away far more, far fewer stupid free kicks around the box of penalties because Claudio Morel Rodriguez is gone. Yeah. Where's he gone to? Do we know? Because this is potentially a new era in Argentine football if Claudio Morel Rodriguez is just says his contract is finished. Somewhere else. Nope, he's currently without a club, and yeah. I'm not surprised, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> I think Almiron seemed quite... I'm surprised they didn't bring in someone. I mean, it looks as though they missed out on their preferential targets for defenders, because um, Almiron is better known in Mexico than you know, oh, Argentina. Really? I mean, most of his playing career was in Mexico, and I think mm-hmm. most of his managerial career... Um, which means you're uniquely placed to comment on. <laughs> no, but I think his style of play is at his other clubs has been to play with three kind of ball playing yeah. defenders in that kind of. Well, he's another. It's certainly, what he tried to do at Godoy Cruz, although yeah. always very good. I think he, Mexican football is a bit more free, exactly. free flowing. And but I think that he's another person in Mexico who's heavily influenced by La Volpe, and they all use that. Formation like Mexico at the World Cup as well with Herrera is exactly the same as a student of La Volpe playing 3-5-2 and in theory I think that's what Almiron will want to play with Independiente whether or not he he got the players that he wanted to be able to do that remains to be seen but yeah. so I mean I certainly mean, the Copa Argentina Tingla, so, 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 yeah he's still uh, there <laughs> uh, what do you call the libero um, yeah 
But the other, the other net sweeper, Dula as a sweeper. Maybe he's a bit slow for that. Yeah, possibly. But the other defenders are, uh, are generally quite young, so I mean, no, they're going to have to play a fairly young side, and I think uh, maybe they, with they the pace around them. The, the they obviously haven't bought anyone in, in, in very important. I think they're um, betting on their youth system as well. They're, they have a, quite a few couple of kids. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to an extent, is this a good thing about the fact that potentially only two clubs are going to be relegated out of thirty? Yeah. It allows clubs to. Take some of the pressure off. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not suggesting there's anything other than a fucking ridiculous ratio of teams going down, but it does mean that some clubs might be a little less worried and, and concerned, and might just some of the pressure comes off. Maybe we'll get some slightly less defensive football, a, a bit less concentration on not losing all the time, um, and potentially, who knows? There, yeah. there could be a kind of unwanted. I'm not going to say unwanted actually. Illogical or almost um, against logic kind of side effect to it. Um, could be interesting. I mean, in a normal championship independent, they would never have betted on their youth system on their first season in the Primera. No, when, exactly. when your promedios are, yeah, promedio. everything is your promedio. You're only dividing by one, so it's appreciating. And indeed, even and, if the promedios didn't exist, if you had a team, if you had a division of twenty teams with the bottom three going down, the yeah. same situation would, would exactly. be the yeah. uh, Main transfers elsewhere from from other clubs not represented around this uh, lovely round table that we have. Um, Riquelme is out of Boca. That's almost as big a story as Riquelme being in Argentinos, I think. Um, who are they replacing him with? Caleri. How do you replace Riquelme? <laughs> well, he Caleri played the first was... match with the number 10 sh- t-shirt. Then, of course, it was because they, that it was the first match. They, I don't know who... who you, ah, Luciano Acosta, I think, will use it. Yeah, I, I think Acosta is going to be the, the, the main uh, boy. Lucas Miatri has gone to Shanghai Shenhua. Diego Rivero has left on a free transfer. Juan Sanchez Nino has gone to, Tor- uh, to Toronto, no, to Torino. Torino, yes. Uh, <coughs> Riano went to Benedetto. This is from Boca. Pardon? Riano. Yes, Claudio Riano. Yeah, he did. I was thinking, I didn't see him, but I knew there was someone else. Diego Perotti has gone back to Sevilla. What an influence he has during his six months at Boca Juniors. He played about two and a half games, if he was lucky. Boca, basically, I think the name's out a few names who frankly they, they wanted to get out they got a, a fairly decent fee for, for Sanchez Mino who was in danger of stagnating and none of the other players are really wanted particularly they, they were all on the verge of becoming I think the same thing with Lancini out of River actually eternal promises yeah. you're always looking at them and when he's 27 or 28 years old you're still looking at him thinking one day he's going to be great and then hmm. you realise how old he is um, and a few of the other players okay Gonzalo Castellani comes in from Godoy Cruz for instance one of the reasons that Almiron was so angry at the Godoy Cruz board. I think Andres uh, Chavez from Banfield could be a good signing as well. He was very yeah. good in the, the last season in Banfield. So Boca have, have been... Uh, and Meli from Colón, no? Meli, yeah. Meli from Colón, Carrizo from Rosario Central. Yeah. Well, Caleri and, and Chavez uh, as forwards. And I think that the, uh, neither Burdizo or, or or Perez will, will leave because I don't think Bianchi trusts them. And, mm. the, and in fact, Magallan, I think, is the one who will uh, be uh, second as the second centre back in case Forlin doesn't isn't in physical form. Mm. So, mm-hmm. um, we're going to race through this last couple because uh, not because we want to devalue the clubs in question, but because I really want a, a refill of Fernet, so we need to get to the break quickly. I think Racing is the biggest one of the big teams. We're going through alphabetically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next up for the for the really big names is New Old Old Boys, um, who we cannot possibly avoid. They have brought in 
Oscar Rustari from uh, Sunderland in, in goal, which could be a, a fantastic signing if it weren't for the fact that Nahuel Guzman hasn't actually gone anywhere. So yeah, Rustari's going to be. Yes. He, he went to Tigres in Mexico. Yes. Oh, right. Well, that explains why they brought Rustari about then. Decent uh, replacement in that case. I thought they were going to be offering competition. Um, they have brought in. They've let Eber Banega go. They were talking. They haven't let him go. He returned from loan to Valencia. They were talking about trying to renew the loan. I don't think that that's gone through, as far as I'm aware. No, um, he has one year left in Valencia. Said so it's not. He's not available for loan this time. Yes, precisely. <laughs> um, David Trezeguet, of course, has left. Gabriel Hens is retired. But if you're going to replace David Trezeguet um, up front, uh, then well, you've already got Ezequiel Ponce in in your squad young 17 year old now he's turned 17 I think over the winter um, promising player he, he broke a toe broke a metatarsal just the other day so he's out for three months but if you're Newell's old boys and it's 2014 you can't do very much better than bringing Nacho Skoko back can you from Sunderland and that is exactly what they've done I think Sunderland fans are going to be delighted to see him go and Newell's fans are going to be even more delighted to see him come back um, as I think Potentially, are a lot of other Argentine just general league fans, those of us that are a bit more neutral and just want to see some decent football. The crucial thing, however, is going to be the manager. Uh, Newells have bid, bade, bidden, bidden farewell to Alfredo Berti, who didn't really do a very good job. He retired after, actually, he resigned after they um, went out of the Libertadores, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, and then they had an interim manager, and now um, the uh, manager has been confirmed as Gustavo Raggio who you will never have heard of before. <laughs> former, uh, former player. <coughs> yes, former Newell's player and uh, one of the Asmos Berti, in fact, before uh, taking charge when Martino left. Um, Raggio is, is a former, uh, uh, the previous uh, reserve team or one of the youth team managers. So Newell's again promoting from within, hoping that the model continues. Although each time so far since Martino left, it's sort of gone a bit more downhill. So we'll see how that works out. Um, and the others... As Santi mentions, the side who are definitely going to win the league this season. Because we <laughs> say this every season. They've got by far the strongest squad on paper. A racing club. Uh, Ricardo Centurion has returned on loan, I believe, from Genoa. Explosive striker. Is that on? Hot shot. Or was it that Genoa had him on loan and they needed to pay the money to... Make it oh, permanent, and then they said, "Well, no." And all, of the, all of these transfers that happened during the World Cup, I'm slightly hazy on the details. I think it's no attention. I think it's one of those transfers that Racing right. didn't really ever receive any money for. Yeah, and now they said, "Okay, well, he's coming back." Uh, Luciano Lolo joins from Belgrano. They've got Mauricio Eperduti, as we mentioned already from Arsenal. Leandro Gruni from Godoy Cruz. Nicolas Sanchez from Godoy Cruz. Ezequiel Videla from Universidad de Chile, who apparently is very good. Uh, Videla was at Colón. Yeah, he was very good for Colombia. Perhaps he was. He oh, you're right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's been owned by Universidad de Chile. In that case, and yeah. Perduti, I think that he has left uh, some other place. But well, um, Gaton Diaz comes yes. in from Gimnasia, uh, and Ivan Pichut is back. The the next Javier Sanetti, although he's already 27. Well, I suppose he's got 13 years still to go in that, on that respect of his career. Um, Martin Perez Guedes has also come back from Olimpo. Uh, leaving Rodrigo de Paul, who was sold for Valencia or something? Yes. Dollars or euros? Euros, I think, to Valencia. Um, Valentin Viola went for seven and a half million euros to Sporting Lisbon. Uh, what was that? That was previously, wasn't it? And then he was back on yes, like um, a loan. 
was it? I think it's the, oh, the actual right, transfer yeah. was done. Sorry, yeah, the one who was has been sold is uh, Vieto. Vieto, that's the one I meant. He's gone yeah. to, to Vieto, seven Vieto. Five million to yeah. somewhere or other. Because um, I saw somebody make, make, make a point on Twitter earlier. Lancini's gone today for $6 million, having won the league title. Vieto finished bottom of the league. And they managed to sell him for seven and a half million. And some Racing fans are complaining that he didn't go for enough that they got a bad price for him. So bet that in mind. Um, but uh, if you're going to replace Luciano Mieto with anybody, then Diego Milito. Oh, and Bruno. The yeah. signing of the winter in, Probably, in the yeah. whole of the Primera. Yeah. yeah. Um, Thirty-seven years old now, maybe. Something, like, something like that. Thirty-six, thirty-seven, or thirty-eight. Why not? Well, well, I think he's thirty-eight. But I shall. Uh, I'll check now like, if I can ever get this thing to. Stop moving around, right, right, that's it. They also hired um, Videla, played in Colón as a number five. Yes, we mentioned Very. very I, I said he was mm-hmm. in the Chile, and I was Universidad wrong. Chile. I, I said that, and I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milito is 35 years old. Oh, 35. 35 years yeah. and two months old, in fact. Um, and unfortunately, of course, uh, Gabriel Milito not managing Independiente means that we're denied the spectacle of a manager managing against his own brother in a city derby which would have been potentially a world first in the whole of football history maybe it would have been uh, interesting anyway there's a very famous clip uh, if anybody can find it of, uh, of when they played against each other in the Avellaneda derby and Milito brought down Milito and uh, Diego turned around and appealed to the referee for a booking to which Gabriel responded Sosa hijo de puta you're a son of a whore to his own brother uh, it was quite brilliant um, we shall come back after this short piece of music and we'll answer a few listeners questions which include how well are Racing going to do oh, uh, also on Racing too much. we didn't mention Zuccolini went to Manchester City oh yeah how do we think he's going to do at Manchester City I don't think he's going to... Oh, I heard he was... He's got a fantastic goal get, on, in a going pre-season friendly. Uh, going out on loan to New York City, perhaps? <laughs> no, it was... It was uh, Melbourne City. No, what's, no what's someone it, some <laughs> Spanish team. Oh, really? I can't remember if it was... It might have even been Valencia. Interesting. We shall see. But, yeah. we shall see. Uh, but for now, enjoy this music. Uh, we have been recording for an hour already. We apologise for that. Um, and we shall refill our glasses and we'll come back and answer some listeners' questions. Don't go anywhere. slightly farcical uh, scene during that musical incident uh, whereby nobody was polite uh, was rude enough to pour their own Coca-Cola so I passed the Coke to Andres who then poured it for Peter and and Santi uh, and then Andres gave it to uh, sorry Andres gave it to to Santi who poured my Coke most bizarre Um, and nobody's mentioned it until I did just then but I I thought it was vaguely comical so I thought I'd share it with the listeners Um, we realised or rather I had it pointed out to me uh, immediately after that music began that we still haven't talked about the Copa Libertadores having said we were going to so very briefly Wednesday evening saw the first leg of the Copa Libertadores final the first leg of the first ever Copa Libertadores final in the histories of either Nacional or 
of both, in fact, Nacional and San Lorenzo. Um, it was uh, a, a thoroughly one-sided affair in which San Lorenzo dictated play, dominated possession, stroked the ball back and forth magisterially across the pitch and came across, uh, came home, came back to Buenos Aires with a crushing 1-1 victory draw. Hmm. Hang on, yeah. Um, Nacional rather hilariously managed uh, fortunately we don't have Mariano recording with us tonight because I suspect he wanted to slit his wrist um, after doing absolutely nothing at all all evening equalised with about 15 seconds to go it was just ridiculous wasn't it? it was at the same precise moment that the um, commentator Mariano Claus was saying okay so the first leg is going to San Lorenzo that's when the, the cross was hit and it was headed by a Paraguayan forward and kicked into the net. We're really not saying this, by the way, because we're an Argentine football podcast and therefore biased. San Lorenzo really should have won it by three goals, at least. Um, it was completely one-sided. And it wasn't just the Nacional played poorly. It was that Nacional really didn't seem to be trying at all either. It was really bizarre. Um, we're going to, to discuss that a little more, I think, next week when no doubt we'll be recording on Thursday again so that we can take in what's happened, whether San Lorenzo finally won their first Copa Libertadores or whether Nacional have become the first Paraguayan side who aren't called Olympia to win the Copa Libertadores. Either way, it's going to be historic and a lot of fun, I think. Um, the next leg is going to be played at 21.15, 9.15pm, um, Argentine time, next Wednesday night. Same hour, same channel, same day. Yes, precisely. Um, and it should be a lot of fun but as we said last week between myself and Andres I'm going to open the question up to the, to the rest of the table now now that we've got uh, Peter and Santi here as well Matias Lamens and Marcelo Tinelli when they took over San Lorenzo were playing uh, a playoff to avoid relegation to the second division they were in a mountain of debt they were millions of miles away from ever returning to Boedo um, they had Ricardo Caruso Lombardi managing them today they've got a proper manager uh, I have to disagree with your opinion <laughs> I, I knew you would do. I'd have been disappointed if you didn't They're halfway through their first ever Copa Libertadores final They're in a decent financial situation As Argentine clubs can be anyway um, And they've just signed a deal to, to take them back to The gasometro the, the old, well it's going to be the new old gasometro Or something, because they're going to have to rebuild it Obviously um, Is it just possible that Tinelli and, and Lamens Are actually slightly better club administrators than we, when they were voted in, even on hand of pod, mockingly gave them the credit for being. It looks like it, at least. Do we wish all clubs in Argentina were run as, <laughs> as effectively as they are? Um, I, I, I'm not close enough to the San Lorenzo um, club as a whole in order to really see if what they're doing is actually good managing or just riding it, riding the luck. But uh, from what you can see from the footballing results, uh, the improvement has been very important in two years yeah well, that's the other thing um, it's remarkable um, although I did see that they, in one of the newspapers they said that Tinelli hadn't been uh, involved long enough to be in the frame for the AFA uh, <laughs> 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 president he's jokingly uh, mentioned as a presidential candidate every once in a while uh, well they, this could be a possibility they had to manage the, the club and they put the manager, uh, they changed manager, and that I think that that was the start of everything because mm. they had Caruso Lombardi as the manager, who 
prevented them to from going to National B. They they won against Instituto in a promotion in a playoff, uh, and then they changed. Then they uh, signed uh, first Juan Antonio Pizzi and then Ricardo Bausa. I think that are, they are far, far more serious than Caruso Lombardi, and that that's that's the point. That's something uh, that for me is is, is is key for in order to change the team and 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 and, and from that moment and up to now they are they have been uh, much more uh, I think uh, serious in terms of, of competitive uh, team and forward looking I think to an extent. That was another thing I meant to mention actually during the transfer roundup. I think Kilmes have completely it's escaped Kilmes' attention totally that Carlos Lombardi isn't managing them at all anymore. <laughs> from, from from the look of the players they've let go and, and have signed, it's all very Caruso like. Um, <laughs> and Caruso in fact is now on third division, of course. He's managing uh Suarez. Thank you, yes. Uh, rather bizarrely, but yeah. there we go. Um, um, how long has it been since an Argentine team has been in the Libertadores final? Was it Estudiantes? No, Boca were the finalists. Estudiantes were the last team to win it to in win 2009, it. and Boca were in the final in 2011. 12. 12. 12. 12. Yeah. And they lost again. Corinthians. Thank you, of course, yeah, Corinthians. Um, the other point that we needed to mention quickly, very quickly, before we get on to listeners' questions is Gerardo Martino, if he becomes next Argentina manager, um, which it looks like he's going to be. Are we happy with this? Yeah, we, obviously, I think most of us probably wish Sabella was staying, but he's not. Yeah. So, given that he's not, I'm, I'm not um, especially ecstatic. But I really have a hard time thinking of who else to propose. So, I think it's kind of um, the obvious choice. The other names that have been proposed have been names like Jorge Sampaoli, Jose Pekerman, obviously. The problem yeah. with all of them, of course, is that they're employed. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Martino's not. And he's a very good candidate in his own right as well, which helps, of course. Um, so we shall see. As, as I say, we're going to talk about him uh, at more length in a future episode, if and when he's confirmed. For now, this is questions. We have had a few. Uh, Phil Carney's we have already mentioned and asked and answered, sorry, um, about uh, whether we stand a chance of, of the 30-team Primera going away. So I shall begin with Liam Kelly. No relation who asks potential title contenders he says personally I think Boca but having second thoughts after the Copa America, uh, Copa America no Copa Argentina defeat to Huracan um, maybe Racing or San Lorenzo hmm I, 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 I really like um, Racing I think Lanús also has a, they've always had a solid uh, solid squad they're keeping yeah. um, Barros Esqueloto in charge um, Although they lost Palo Golds and yeah. Carlos Esquerdos. Yeah, it's true. But yes. but they they seem to they they were pretty Pro- good against. Progeria will be a decent replacement for yeah, Golds, yeah. I think. But uh, losing both of those players and of course Andrade as well in goal, yeah. it's it's gutted the centre of their defence. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond. And Pereira Diaz, who I think he went to play to a team that we mentioned before that they are. Where, where Aymar played Shohor from Malaysia uh, of course yeah. <laughs> I think he was not in the starting 11 uh, usually but well uh, if he if they if they kept Melano Silva Acosta and well and, and um, the, the central mid- midfielder I, the, the former Boca midfielder I, I forgot the name um, Somoza. Somoza that's the vegetable yeah 
and silver. So, yes. But I, I think it's my what I really think about this tournament. It's that once again it's going to be very average in terms of you know the last few tournaments have been like most of the teams have have gotten most more or less the same amount of points and the champions haven't really stood out from the rest either in terms of play yeah. or of points so I think it's going to be very even this year as well I think um, this is actually connected as well Rob Brown asked the question immediately afterwards might Racing actually be any good this time I'm sticking with no because every <laughs> single classic. at the beginning of every <laughs> single season we always say Racing have made some good signings this year look at the squad they've got on paper they walk the league yeah and then the football stars, and they turn into racings. Same as Boca, yes, they have to build a whole new team with whole new players. Boca have had a huge turnover. Okay. They've yes. got a manager who is uh, has the faith in the board, the faith in the fans, the faith in the players, but I'm not convinced is fully up to modern football. Fortunately for Boca, of course, Argentine football isn't really. But I remember Mauricio Macri when he was the president of Boca, trying to say uh, he he said. I will try uh, the Boca players to be nine of the eleven from the youth, from the team, from from Boca, from the uh, youth uh, divisions. So if you have nine from the youth divisions and one Chinese young player, he's going to do now. It's the other way around. And now it's the other way around. They have <laughs> they have signed uh, mostly eight, seven, eight players. So. It will be very difficult to... Well, in This is the other thing. I think with a lot of these clubs, uh, a lot of the clubs have had a really big turnover with players. Obviously, it's something that's incredibly difficult to avoid in a league like Argentina's. Um, are going to take a few weeks to settle. So I think the, yeah. the, the key ones are Lanús, as you say, although the centre of the defence has been gutted, they've kind of kept a lot of the core of the rest of the team. Uh, River have let Lancini go, but apart from him... He, he's the only really key player, Ledesma to an extent. And Carbonaro, sorry, yeah, you're quite right. Um, but it looks like most of the rest of the team has stayed together. The, the key point there, of course, is that the manager's changed and Gasharlo is not trying to continue. Ramon Diaz is kind of a very possession-based approach during the final. He, he wants a more rapid attacking side. And, and that's going to take a while to get who is, to. who is up to now, it's not certain, he, even if he will... He's injured play. at the moment, right? He's yeah. injured, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's out for... How about Trezeguet? He's gone to India. She's oh. India. <laughs> Pune FC. Oh, OK. Franchise, <laughs> franchise player, but for, for India. India. Yes. Uh, yeah, I really wanted to see him in Platense. I really want to see him sometime in Platense. Having uh, a world champion playing in the... That's something. That's doesn't something. happen every day. doesn't happen every day. Um... But no, I think the, the, the teams that you're going to have to look at uh, for promotion, con- uh, for title contention, are going to be the sides with the fewest, so the, the lowest amount of turnover, which would be very difficult to pick out, really, of the normal competitors. A few of the sides lower down the table. San Lorenzo, I think, is a good turnover. candidate because he. San Lorenzo they, is good as anyone, yeah. They kept the line of play and. The, and Apparently they also kept the, the team. They won't have Piatti and, and, and Romagnoli. They, they are going to Montreal Impact and Bahia from Brazil. Uh, Brazil uh, I, I think San Lorenzo are, are real candidates because they are losing some, some key players. But you have to remember in the last year they, they were without Cauterucho and Gonzalo Verón through injury who are both, now they are both available yes. now. And I think the fact that they they still have Ortigosa 
and Garcia in, in the central yeah. midfield. They're gonna that midfield pairing is it's far great, superior great to most of the teams in the Premier League. Yes, Guardiola and Marcia are a great couple of midfielders, and they if they continue at San Lorenzo, well, I'm gonna they've out. played together for many years. Argentinos juniors, they've yes. done Argentinos, and yeah. now it's San Lorenzo. But I, I yeah. think that pairing is enough to win yeah. win the matches because it dominates games. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to throw the name, I'll throw out or, or throw into the ring uh, the name of Tigre to perhaps bring a bit of a surprise if we see it. Uh, as Santi suspects, and I think we all suspect a relatively average tournament again. Um, now that they've got used to, towards the end of the Donnell final, they started to shake off that thing of it being the hardest thing in the world to score a goal. But they're still relatively hard to score against, and they've had a very, very low player turnover. Although they did lose. Matias Perez they've lost, they've lost a couple of players Matias Perez Garcia by far the most influential I think the, the rest of the players they've lost are maybe yeah okay they, they can do without them they've brought back a couple of, of really big players um, in the squad's rec- in the team's recent history um, it wouldn't surprise me if they did well they've still got Lucas Hanson as well who I like a lot and I want to see more of this season um, so I'm going I'm to put them out Liam also asks what is all the talk about Vélez not qualifying for the 2015 Copa Libertadores. This was interesting. This is a kind a of few thing days, that you really like to talk a few about. Days, <laughs> a few days after the complications of qualifying to a... It's not really complications, though, because the system was perfectly clear. Uh-huh. The, the system was that the team who finished top of um, the season-long table last year would get a Copa Libertadores qualifying berth. That was by the Sarsfield. It was all written down. And then a few days after Boca Juniors went out of the Copa Argentina, which Liam's already mentioned in his previous question, um, the AFA turned around and said, you know what, the goal difference doesn't count. Which it does. In that table, AFA said that it does. Um, they specified that you only have a tie break, goal difference only doesn't count if it's for the title. So if it's one of the short championships, if it's the end of the torneo inicial, the end of the torneo final, and you've got two teams who are tied on points, they have to play a playoff. For the other positions off the year-long table, off the well, no, for the promedios, in fact, if they're tied on promedio, also you have to play a playoff. But for the positions in the year-long table, they use goal difference to separate teams. And the AFA turned around and said, two months afterwards, two months after this table's finished, no, we have to play a playoff to, to break them apart. This just happens to have happened like three days after Boca got the Copa Argentina, which of course has a Copa Doris qualification spot on it. It's, it's complete it, it's ridiculous <laughs> and, and then the AFA spokesman turns around and says it was always going to be like this it was just the journalists who assumed that Vélez had qualified it was a uh, malentendido uh, <laughs> you, you didn't understand <laughs> it properly in which case first of all why did the AFA not say something when it happened and secondly why didn't the game take place normally if you need a tie break you play it the week after you're ridiculous playing you're playing logic to AFA so that's that, yes, yes. that, that, the, the so talk. Do Arsenal have a place in next year, the Libertadores, by virtue of winning the Copa Argentina? Uh, if they win the Copa Argentina, they will. Yes. If we win this one, okay. So for no, last you, one. You qualified for. This one for last one. When you won last year, you qualified for this okay. year's Copa okay. Libertadores. You're out of this year's Copa Libertadores, though. Uh, Copa Argentina. In the Libertadores, we're, yeah, we're out. Yeah. We're not in the final. I'm, no, I'm pretty in, sure. In the Copa Argentina, you're out. Um, yeah, we're out. Uh, Instituto. Uh, the Cordoba beat us with their youth team 3-1 right? 3-1 yeah promising start to the season mm. uh, 3-1 loss um, in I think be- Chaco in, a, in a very empty Chaco stadium this was before Rondona died <laughs> this, this is why I want to think that it wasn't due to Rondona's death but that 
they decided this was a transitions championship. It was stupid, and they were just going to build up. Maybe that was mm-hmm. the result that killed Rondona. Uh, yeah, not not the, the stress over Sabella maybe. But I really need to repeat that this was Instituto's youth team. This wasn't Instituto's first, first team. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Liam also asks then how will Gasharno get on at River? They didn't play very well against Ferro. Uh, their own Copa Argentina, River's Copa Argentina match was a nil-nil draw against Ferro, followed by a four-two win on penalties. That's proving a pretty popular uh, penalty shootout result for Argentine Argentine teams this year. What with the Copa uh, Copa del Mundial or World Cup, as, as some people call it in English, <laughs> um, uh, results as well. Um, it'll take them a while to adjust, which is why I'm not going to include them among the title candidates. Although, having said that, if we get a low scoring, um, low point scoring championship again, then there's no reason why a slow starting club couldn't win it, such as Lanús, potentially River. Um, but I think Gachado medium term is going to be okay I'm, I'm sure he's going to get until the end of next year's Libertadores let's say at least I don't think they're going to let him go at the end of the transition 2014 unless he does disastrously yeah I think it's a shame they didn't that he wasn't given like this window hasn't been that successful and I think a lot of the at least by what the papers are going by Rivers' targets, I think they, they could have done with maybe letting Lancini go earlier, yeah, so yeah, they so. knew when they had the money to yeah. to throw about elsewhere. Because there's been and there's also with just some more realistic targets. Because Prato was never going to go to River. He, he's always going to be a European club, especially yeah. from, from a club like Vélez, who yeah. know that they don't they don't need the money. And they never sell to the Argentine market. Never. This has been a rule for the last at least ten years. Yeah. And you also reportedly interested in. Skokoko before he went back to yeah exactly which we forget there's another club who are clearly more favoured but I think that kind of signing would have been a real like marker and and especially for a manager just coming into a club like River to have someone like that which is in a way why Imar could be such a big one if they actually end up signing yeah, yeah. Skokoko has something uh, emotional with Newell's that's why he he went there but he he has, has been one year perhaps uh, with no activity because mm. they didn't play at the uh, international de Porto Alegre and he didn't play almost for Sunderland mm. so yes, although he does have an attachment with Newell's though I feel, I feel as though that was something where if you had sold Lancini earlier in the window and had the money because Sunderland seemed to be waiting for a long time just to try and boost the price I mean mm. the whole time they were like can we at least get the money back we, we mm. paid for it um, and I think if at the time River had had the money and they could have said okay well yeah could, maybe it would have happened I think the most obvious signing for last season was Albertengo did he sign for everyone or is he still no, another that? person that River were reportedly after but I think you mentioned last week is maybe not, Tengo, some, yeah. not someone that you needed particularly burnt I, I think they need more of a nine of the area but then but did nobody sign Albertengo is he still in La Faila I think so I believe so yeah, yeah. I think it's very strange. I think he was the the best young forward of the last year in Argentina. Um, Excellent, excellent. Futebol Daily says uh, Jonathan Silva of Estudiantes has been linked with Sporting. Is he any good? He's very good. Yeah, Um, I I really like the the the, his kind of. I might be imagining um, this as well, but he's very tall. Argentine anyway yeah no? um, I'm going to look him up now we'll he's been linked with Rojo because he's uh, replaced Rojo and he's also going to Portugal but he's quite different from Rojo actually um, he's uh, more of a fast uh, 
for the first left, uh, left back. He's about five foot ten, by the way, so he's not very tall. <laughs> it's not very difficult to be faster than Rojo anyway. But yeah, okay. Oh come on! I'm a big Rojo fan. Sorry, but uh, I think he he was very good at Warcraft. He was, he was excellent. And he was like the weak link of the Argentine team. Yeah, well, so for the cup. Not now. And, I yeah, can't yeah. remember anybody saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but Jonathan Silva, very decent young player. He's what, 20 years old? 21? 20. I think it's, yeah, it, it's an um, obvious yeah, paper yeah. story, perhaps, with Rojo leaving Sporting. Yes, obviously, yeah. and then them being like, "Oh, well, he's the next the one from Estudiantes." Yeah, he's gonna, yeah, yeah. But I, I think they're quite different players. I mean, Rojo was a former centre back, mm-hmm. and Silva is more of a classic left back. Yeah, um, and finally, Luis, Luis Bessone says, first of all, congratulations on Hand of Pod one fifty. You should be proud of yourself, Sam. Thank you very much. I am. Um, and secondly, is the travelling fan ban still in effect? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's the short answer. Uh, to extend Luis's question slightly, how long do we think it's going to stay in effect for? Ten years. Uh, Let's just throw a number out there. <laughs> um, it's going to stay in effect for at least as long as we have short championships, which looks like this one, and then probably the next one as well, if it's another Torneo Transition. Um, and then who knows? Who knows? No, no one knows. When Argentina starts taking match day security seriously, which... Could be some point in the middle of the next decade. Yeah. Yeah, you know, with Grandona's death, it's all up for grabs. So you really don't know what's, it's what's going to happen to Argentine football in but the it's next also, two years. It's you also partly national policing, right? With the, the, not just the national government, uh, um, apologies to any Kitchenaristas, but also the city government, so apologies to any anti Kitchenaristas, uh, just the, the, the country as a whole, because it's not only the AFA, it's also security. And this is one thing that um, uh, there was an AFA spokesman, I uh, can't remember his name, Miguel Silva, um, on day, say, a couple of days ago, who was being interviewed about how the AFA changes after. Um, Grandona's death and, and they asked him a couple of very innocuous questions about Martino and the contract offers and blah 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 and then they said to him um, security wise the, what, uh, what, what happens and he repeated the same thing that Grandona always used to say which is this is a problem of society the AFA's got nothing to do with it the AFA has nothing to do with these dead people in the stadiums which is clearly bollocks <laughs> clearly the AFA needs to be doing far more but equally clearly to an extent, it is a societal problem as well because there, there has to be a willingness to actually tackle it, not just from the AFA. Because the AFA on their own don't control the police. Even Grandona doesn't control uh, the police and uh, who are allowing too many, you know, 7,000 fans over capacity in the San Martin Alta for the River Plate against Boca Juniors this time last year. And, and the actual system of charging the clubs for the police operation is, I think, it's ridiculous. For small clubs and between this and not having away fans. It's just yes. stupid. On the it's one hand, on the one hand, it's difficult to know what else to do. But on the other, given the economic situation here, I would agree. I, I mm-hmm. think that the AFA need to, to do something to at least help the clubs to meet those costs. They have to pay, and, and they are not efficient because they are not efficient. Because if not, there will be away fans. Yeah, just they're paying for police, and they have no away fans. So what's the police there for? Mm. I mean, I know that the the last few barra brava. Um, struggles have been between the Barra itself I mean in, in, in the last I don't know five years or so uh, it's it's been far more internal Barra fights than the classic one Barra against the other 
that we used to have before. But if if they want to fight each other, they they're not going to do it in the stadium. They always do it at other stadium. So what's the police in the stadium for? Once again, it's just unexplainable. Of course, you can't have a match in a big stadium without any police at all. Yeah, but, of course. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a perfectly good point. But to answer Luis's uh, question very briefly, we don't know. We don't know when the travelling fan ban is going to, uh, to be rescinded. The final piece, not quite the final piece, the penultimate piece of music that you hear, because the final piece, of course, is the end theme, um, is Mystic Sounds theme music, because, of course, a new season means more ridiculous predictions from me so don't go anywhere and I'm back to tell you what to bet all of your pocket money on this weekend it begins today basically because you're listening to this on Friday so don't go away Here are Mystic Sam's predictions for the first round of the Torneo Transición, which kicks off on Friday at. Anyone know the first kickoff Six. time? 6 pm um, Argentine time, which is 10 pm if you're in the UK, and 5 pm if you're on the eastern coast of the United States uh, and listening to this. Hopefully, I will have this podcast online before then. I have got a new, slicker, more rapid editing process, which should allow me to get, on, uh, to get this up more quickly. Here we go. My my predictions are Godoy Cruz versus Banfield. I think Banfield will get a victory on their return to the Primera. Uh, Godoy Cruz, as we said, have had a very very well. Actually, we didn't really mention how traumatic their winter break has been, but it's been awful for all sorts of reasons. Rosario Central versus Quilmes. I'm going for a home victory in that one. Although both sides pre-seasons have been a bit iffy. Arsenal de Sarandí against Estudiantes. Estudiantes to nick it yeah but again the two teams who've had a huge turnover of players uh, in many ways Estudiantes have lost better on of course which is enormous but they have a strong youth system whereas they have but still it's a big kind of a lot of players having to step up all at once Um, Defensa y Justicia in their historic first match ever in the Primera one of the bus company teams from last year's B Nacional um, unfortunately I think that they are likely to lose at home to Racing in their first match I think they'll be okay long term but I think they're going to lose the first game uh, Independiente's return against uh, Atletico de Rafaela is going to be spoiled by a draw I'm afraid <laughs> in the Libertadores de America Boca Juniors versus Newell's Old Boys is going to be a draw as well in La Bombonera Gimnasia Grima de la Plata Gimnasia Grima la Plata not de la Plata uh, versus River Plate is also going to be a draw Tigre versus Vélez Sarsfield is going to be a draw it's going to be a very dull second half of the weekend in other words <laughs> and Lanús versus Belgrano which is being played next Wednesday due to Lanús participation yesterday Tuesday in the uh, ridiculous uh, Sugabank Trophy in Japan, the champion, when is the Copa Sudamericana championship. and the championship and the champions of Sugabank Championship? Oh, is that what it's called now? It's yeah. the trophy. Thank you. Um, is also going to be a draw. San Lorenzo versus Olimpo, by the way, is being delayed until sometime near the end of the month, I think the twenty eighth of August or something, uh, due to the fact that it falls between the two halves or the two legs of San Lorenzo's Copa Libertadores final it would have been played had it been played last weekend 
and Lanus versus Belgrano would not have been played. Um, but Grandola dying means everything's delayed, and so Lanus versus Belgrano gets played, and San Lorenzo versus Olimpo gets shunted. Um, so there we are. Does anybody particularly strongly agree or disagree with any of those predictions? I think Independiente will, will win at home against Rafael. Yeah. Interesting. Yes, too too many draws for me. But it's first first round, so we it's have incredibly time. difficult to predict them when it's the first round, and the only things you've got to go on are pre-season friendlies, which are normally for most of the clubs training ground, eighty minute or thirty-five minute half or something. Um, all in training bibs and long jogging bottoms and nobody really taking it seriously and the odd cop out in Dean again I was right so we just thinking what the hell Lanus was relatively um, easy because they played so many you know the wreck opposite Americana which they lost the Saruga Bank trophy and and the other thing Um, it's interesting how um, I think this year was the first year that the Copa Argentina games were taken seriously by many of the big teams. Yeah. First time ever. There were lots of full strike sides going. Yeah. River and Boca as well, Independiente. Mm. Um, and it was uh, it was very interesting for the Copa Argentina because I really support this championship and I I really like it kind of growing into its own important trophy. Of course at the first in the first uh, edition nobody was really taken seriously except for the smaller teams. But now I think of, of the teams that are, that there are left there are only like Two teams are on the third division, and the rest are all first and second. Estudiantes really and Talleres are the only ones. We didn't really mention this uh, last week because we were sort of so occupied with, with Granada's death, but there has been a bit of kind of carnage as well in, in the current round of it. I say current because Kilmes v Banfield is, is the only remaining uh, 16th of final match. That's the last 32 for those of you who speak English. Um, but we have seen a number of relatively big clubs, and in a couple of cases, Genuine big, as in big five, with a capital B and a capital yeah. F, clubs go out. Um, the results so far in it, why don't we mention them all, uh, kicked off on the 17th of July, so it's been going for, um, no, under a month actually, I thought it was longer ago than that, but anyway. Um, uh, San Lorenzo uh, 2, Almirante Brown 0, so San Lorenzo are safe. If the Diantes are safe, they beat Douglas Haig 1 0, 1 0, no, I'm talking about 3 1, I'm reading this off the screen as well. <laughs> I don't know how strong these fellows are, but he's given me a bit of Atletico de Rafaela beat Olimpo, uh, that's an old Primera clash, of course, 4-2 on penalties after a 0-0 draw. Arsenal went out, as Santi already mentioned, to Institutos Kids, 3-1. Uh, Godoy Cruz and Defensa Justicia played probably the most entertaining match yeah. of the round. The annoying thing is that very few of these games were on television. Exactly, yeah. And the ones that weren't on television weren't even on the Football Paradolos YouTube channel, so we couldn't watch them anyway. Yeah. But Godoy Cruz v Defensa Justicia finished 3-3 after Defensa Justicia had gone 3-0 up and was still 3-0 up with 18 minutes to go. Finished 3-3 and Defensa Justicia won 4-2 on penalties. Uh, Benes went out to Estudiantes. Not Estudiantes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, it was a shock because it wasn't Estudiantes de La Plata, it was Estudiantes de Buenos Aires, Estudiantes de Cambaceres. As they're also known. It's a very cup team. I was going to say they. Were, yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they got a bit of last year or somebody. No, or River. River. They River. Got yeah, yeah, yeah. They beat River. My word! I knew it was one of the, the big ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I think they managed to make it to the quarterfinals or the semifinals. It's quarters or semifinals. Yeah, definitely, yeah. it's late. So they're the basically the Argentine version of Yeovil Town. <laughs> say, um, Gimnasia La Plata and Argentinos drew nil nil, and then Argentinos won four two in the penalty shootout. Newells are out to Tacheres de Cordoba they lost 3-1 these are um, the two third division teams that are left Cliantes yeah. uh, and Tacheres there we go uh, Central beat Juventud Unida de San 
Luis. El, El San Luis. Luis. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. This and this San Luis three one. I'm showing how well I know my Argentine provinces after a few furlongs. Uh, Huracan, second division club, of course. Although they are a big side, uh, beat Boca two nil. Big upset. Yes, it was. Yeah, even though Huracan, of course, were the team who Independiente had to play in the tiebreaker for the promotion last year. That, that's still a, a shock considering that Boca finished second in the Primera at the end of the final. Uh, Colón beat Lanús one nil. Racing beat San Martín de San Juan one nil. River, as we mentioned already, I said it was 4-2 earlier. I was getting it mixed up with the uh, uh, Godoy Cruz uh, defensive this year game. Uh, River drew 0-0 with Ferro and then won 6-5 in a penalty shootout that was almost interminable. It went on for about eight shots each. Um, Tigre, all boys finished 0-0 and then 5-4 on penalties to Tigre. Independiente beat Belgrano 2-0, as we mentioned. And on the 12th of August, it says there, but that's not happening, is it? I think. It's not the 30th of August, I thought it was anyway. Uh, Kilmes played Banfield. Yep. There we go. Um, those are your Copa Argentina results so far. We shall be back probably on this same day next week. I think we're going to be recording on Thursday night because recording on Tuesday seems very soon and recording on Wednesday makes no sense at all given that San Lorenzo are going to be playing the Copa Libertadores yes. final. We may as well record after the final. Um, so join us at the same time and in the same place or in the same online place next week uh, where we shall be reviewing the first round of Torneo Transición it's going to take a while to get used to saying that um, action and of course San Lorenzo's hysterical capitulation at the hands of Nacional we're sure it's going to happen and we're going to be laughing heartily at Mariano if he manages to join us for that one if that does happen he definitely will not be here no I, I suspect he, he, he only gets one week uh, one evening a, a week off annoyingly off work so even if it does happen I, I think he probably won't be here anyway if there is noise at either Boedo or the Obelisco we will know that San Lorenzo will have won the, the Copa Libertadores yes indeed yeah um So we'll we'll see you again uh, around this time next week. We hope you have a good week. We hope that if you're going to watch this first opening round of this historic championship, he raises his eyebrows towards the ceiling, um, then you'll enjoy it. And for now, it's goodbye from Andres. Goodbye. Goodbye from Peter. Goodbye. Goodbye from Santiago. Goodbye, everyone. And goodbye from me. Goodbye.